Hi everyone, Dan Cassidy here. Welcome back to Top of the Morning on the UBS Market Moves podcast channel. Joining me once again for the CIO Strategy Snapshot Conversation. Glad to welcome back. Joining me today in studio, Jason Dreho, the Head of Asset Allocation for the Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. Jason, great to be with you in person as always. Looking forward to the conversation. Good morning, Dan. Good to be here in the studio today. So, Jason, I know our conversation this morning will revolve around the fact that we've closed out the first quarter of 2023. It's hard to believe, but maybe we can put some numbers around that for our listeners and we'll get a bit deeper into the conversation. So 2023, the first quarter, it was quite eventful. The S&P 500 was up on the quarter 7%, the Nasdaq surged 16.8%, and the two- and 10-year Treasury yields both fell 40 basis points. So this is not exactly consistent with the widespread expectation at the start of the year that the first half would be difficult, giving way to a better second half of the year. So with that as the setup, Jason, let's dig into what happened and where we're likely to go from here. But before we do that, Jason, can you recap for us how the outlook changed throughout the first quarter? There were certainly a lot lot of twists and turns, as I alluded to. You know, on the performance numbers, it was kind of an everything rally. A lot of stuff was up. Equities, bonds were up because yields fell. Reverse of what happened last year was kind of everything sold off. So that's kind of the, the cumulative result. But it wasn't a simple path along that way. You know, we began the year with the expectation, pretty common among investors, that the first half of the year would be difficult, growth would slow down, and then you get a better second half of you and you start to get the recovery. What we had is sort of multiple narrative flip-flops. You know, we called year, the, uh, 2023 the year of inflections. Uh, it really was a year of inflections for narratives in the first quarter. Mm-hmm. We began, as January went on, kind of increasingly the investors sort of accepted the idea that <clears throat> we would get a soft landing. Uh, as inflation data was falling, growth was holding up better than expected, and thoughts of like the Fed might hike only two more times. That was the January story, kind of reinforced by uh, you know the Fed press conference and Jay Powell's kind of press conference and comments uh, at the beginning of February when they hiked you know rates twenty five basis points. But then in February, kind of the dynamic changed because you had this kind of growth resiliency, but also it appeared like well maybe it's actually too strong and inflation isn't going to come down as quickly as expected. So I think I kind of characterize it as as you know, we now had fatter tails, you know, upside risk that we weren't expecting at the start of the year, but also like, well, if things stay too strong, the Fed has to do more. And then there's downside risk of, of a hard landing if they have to hike aggressively. Uh, and we kind of moved in that direction, culminating with uh, Jay Powell's testimony in Congress back on uh, March 7th and 8th, when he basically alluded to the fact that they'll probably have to hike rates more than expected. Mm-hmm. And the market was at that point in time pricing in 100 basis points more of hikes the rest of this year, like four more 25. Mm-hmm. You know, two days later, that's when Silicon Valley Bank, you know, began the problems and we had a banking crisis. So, again, the story changed, dramatic change in terms of market expectations for the Fed, what they're going to do. And instead of, you know, thinking about upside risk now, it's, well, could we get a hard landing and how quickly that can materialize? Now, as we enter the second quarter with the banking situation, at least stabilized and not getting worse, it's kind of dialing back near term kind of concerns. But it really is, you know, you know, you know kind of a uncertain path going forward. So a lot of twists and turns throughout the quarter. And I think that might just be the dynamic for the rest of this year as well. So as you put it, Jason, some unexpected developments over the past three months, but I, I did cite those performance metrics towards the top of our conversation. So the markets ended Q1, as I mentioned, on a relatively high note with it appearing that the banking crisis, as you pointed out, unlikely to get any worse, still ongoing. We're, of course, monitoring developments. But what is the chief investment office monitoring from here to assess the implications of those developments, Jason? So I think three main things. One is kind of the banking system itself and signs of stress. So all investors, including us, are looking you know, closely at 
uh, evidence of deposit flows, especially from the small regional banks? You know, are they continuing? Is it slowing down? Where are those deposits going? Mm-hmm. You know, other small banks, regional banks, large banks, money market funds. Uh, it appears to be a little bit of all of the above, but there's definitely some deposit outflow that's moderating. It appears on the day that we can see. Same thing on looking at data of how much the banks are using, you know, the Federal Reserve as sort of as sources of liquidity. The data we got last week suggests it's kind of declining a little bit again, so it's not getting worse. It's moderating, but still mm-hmm. not out of the woods by any stretch. So I think that's the overall thing is kind of the, you know, the, the question of is this banking situation, you know, uh, kind of not over exactly, but kind of curtailed and it's not going to become a bigger contagion. So that that's one thing we're watching. The second then is... Either way, we know this is going to have some sort of economic implications. Not good uh, because it means availability of credit and lending is going to be curtailed. The cost of that credit is going to go up. The question is just how much? What is the economic impact? How large will it be? And when is the timing? I think on that, we know it's probably not until you know kind of later this year, but I think there's, mm-hmm. there's kind of open questions right there. So the, what's the ultimate kind of hit to, to growth? And the third piece that's sort of independent of this to some extent is just the inflation trajectory. Because even if now the... You know, the banking crisis is you know, kind of you know, easing off a little bit. We're still back to the question of an inflation is still running you know, too hot. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, the Fed still has to kind of bring it down. It had to make a bit of a choice two weeks ago. Do they keep hiking to deal with inflation? Do they pause to try and you know, let market stability kind of kick in? They went ahead. Probably the right choice in hindsight. But I think going forward, the question is if inflation stays sticky, how mm-hmm. much more do they have to do and how much are they willing to do? So I think those are the, the key things is, to me is like watching the inflation data – um, you know, for, for March. But even students next week will get more banking data. We'll get the bank starting reporting earnings on the 14th. That'll give a glimpse to all these different things kind of coming in. Running with those macro considerations, those inflections, so to speak, in a recent blog titled Slow Burn, you do suggest, Jason, that the outlook for growth, inflation, and of course, the Fed's policy path is a slow burn lower on all fronts rather than a quick, sharp change. Why exactly is that? So I think there's an immediate reaction to the banking situation where people are kind of you know, pontificating and a little bit armchair economists that, all right, well, this makes a, a you know, recession inevitable, hard lending inevitable. You know, even so, two, three weeks later, realize, okay, well, you know, there's going to be some impact, but it's not going to be imminent. You know, the central banks, you know, the Fed and elsewhere stepped in and provided, you know, very quickly some of the support to kind of curtail that risk from escalating. But now the question is, like, what are the, what are the knock-on consequences? I think for, you know, some of the banks and, and just anecdotes of what we're hearing is it's not so much suddenly they have turned off the spigot of lending, but more along the lines of, you know, we have loans coming due with, you know, commercial borrowers, uh, especially say in the commercial real estate space, mm-hmm. what are those terms going to be? Can we rely on other you know, banks to do syndicate deals, things of that sort? So there's kind of more uncertainty and kind of questions, but we know ultimately it's going to have an impact. If we think about each of those things, uh, the uh, kind of growth, inflation, and the policy rates, you kind of take them by turn and think, well, what's the path going forward? The economy will slow. Growth will slow. It's going to be the lagged effect of higher rates, tighter credit. We also know the Fed wants and needs growth to slow. Mm-hmm. We're running at above trend growth in the in the first quarter based on tracking estimates of over 2%. We got over 2% in the third and fourth quarter of last year. Growth needs to be running around 1% to kind of, you know, cool the economy, brain, kind of cool the labor market to get inflation down. So we know it's going to go there one way or another. The Fed just can keep hiking mm-hmm. if that doesn't happen. But given the strength that we have in the economy thus far, given the tightness of the labor market, yes, there are signs of kind of moderation. But until the labor market really starts to kind of weaken, this is going to be kind of a drawn out process. So it's really to me like more of a second half of the year story and, and maybe even kind of filtering into next year. So not a sudden stop to the economy, but more of a kind of slow grind lower. Same thing on inflation. Headline numbers will continue to come down. 
But if you look at core measures of inflation, whether you take the last three months and you annualize it last six months and you annualize it last eight months and you annualize it, it's all around 5.2%. So there's no yet real deceleration of core inflation. That's really the critical point that Fed needs that to come down. Uh, you know, they're expecting core PC to be at 3.6% uh, at by year end. So again, sort of methodical decline lower and again next year. And that's kind of goes to the Fed path that, you know, if the Fed really wanted to get rid of inflation immediately, they could have hiked rates mm -hmm. to 6% like, you know, by the end of last year. Instead, they've kind of moderated their pace. They, on the kind of the higher for longer mantra, I think they're much more focused on keeping rates high for longer as opposed to going much higher than they are and try and slowly squeeze out of inflation. If you look at their projections at the, from the last FOMC meeting, again, they see a moderation of core PC from 46 right now to 3.6 by year end and 2.6% by December of 2024. They see the unemployment rate rising from 3.6% to 4.6%. These are more kind of gradual moves. They're not sort of sudden you know, right. kind of changes in kind of the inflation story. I think really what the Fed would be happy with, and they take it any day, is that if they can slowly squeeze out inflation while at worst getting only a mild recession, they'll take it. Uh, if that means they just have to keep rates, say at 5% through the end of this year to early next year. So again, more of a slow moving story as opposed to, I think, kind of a, a quick change, unlike the first quarter where we had these really rapid mm -hmm. sort of narrative changes. The reality is the economy, the fundamentals don't change generally that quickly, barring some sort of shock like a pandemic. So I think it's more of a slow burn for these things as opposed to suddenly we'll have a recession you know, in two months and then it'll be over by the end of the year. I think that's, that's not how this is going to play out. So in terms of positioning, Jason, we spoke on the snapshot last week about the April UBS house view. Within you cited that CIO recently upgraded bonds to most preferred downgrading equities. So with that in mind, Jason, how does your expected forecast for these macro factors impact your asset allocation guidance from here? Well, I'd refer back to a note that I published last week called Calculating More Than Cautious. And it kind of laid out the rationale for why we made that change of upgrading bonds and specifically liking high quality bonds over equities and even then kind of really explicitly recommending in portfolios to tilt away from U.S. equities more towards U.S. investment grade corporate bonds. And the rationale was that if you looked at the outlook for the rest of this year, given the macro dynamics I've laid out of kind of growth ultimately slowing, the Fed trying to keep rates high for a period of time to squeeze out inflation, and then you look at what was being priced across different markets. Equities with the S&P around 4,000 were really in the soft landing kind of mm -hmm. scenario. Like it wasn't really pricing a lot of stress. The forward PE multiple is over 18, which is high by historical standards. So there's not a lot of valuation cushion. Mm -hmm. If you looked at what the bond market was pricing in terms of rates, it was basically seeing a recession and was around the corner, given these significant declines in, in yields um, from you know, the levels earlier in March, you know, they, you know, the two-year fell at some point, 130 basis points in really in about two to three weeks, really dramatic moves of pricing out Fed rate hikes. So the market, the bond market was saying recessions are on the corner, equity market saying, no, that's not happening. Those things aren't consistent. They're going to sort mm -hmm. of move together. You know, the way we kind of think of that is if you're going to hold equities between now and year end, you're going to get very little return. In fact, based on our price targets, negative return. Whereas if you buy investment grade corporate bonds, you'll at least be kind of clipping a coupon of like, you know, five plus percent. So relatively low, you know, modest return, but low risk versus returnless risk from equities. If we think about, though, what's happened in the past couple weeks, you've seen equities kind of rally as some of the right. banking stress is alleviated. 
a point you know we kind of made last week is that this trade in some ways is a slow burn trade as well. This wasn't something where we were thinking it's going to pay off with equity selling off very quickly in the next month or so. But ultimately, just the calculation is that you're just not going to get compensated at the margin for that extra dollar in equities versus what you put into right. high-grade bonds. Nothing about the macro story <clears throat> has changed. If anything, equities have gotten more expensive. So it looks to me like the case for that trade stronger at mm-hmm. these levels than it did before. But given the economic fundamentals aren't going to deteriorate quickly, we're going to start getting Q1 earnings where it looks like it's going to be okay, kind of like the fourth quarter. It's not going to be the capitulation where suddenly earnings expectations are significantly reduced lower. I think that's still to come. Uh, so you can see equities holding around the 4,000 plus or minus 100, you know, 200 basis points, you know, for the time being, as opposed to, uh, you know, a more, a more significant pullback. So it's a little bit of the tortoise and hare. I think of, you know, IG is kind of the, the tortoise in this race, kind of slow and steady. You know, the hare can jump out to lead, but eventually, you know, I think the tortoise wins, right? Um, so that, that's kind of what we're, we're thinking in terms of this slow burn for the economy, but also ultimately for this kind of positioning. It's not going to pay off the next, mm-hmm. you know, we think four weeks. It might, but that's not how we kind of, you know, the rationale for doing it and putting it on initially. Well, that's a great analogy. It sounds like the Q1 reporting season will answer a lot of questions as well. So looking forward to diving into that as we receive results over the next few weeks or so. But Jason, as always, thank you for joining us on The Snapshot to keep our listeners current on your thinking, CIO's thinking, and of course, the clarity around asset allocation guidance uh, continues to be uncertain times, of course. So always helpful to hear what CIO is thinking in terms of positioning guidance. I do want to point out that Jason's blog, Slow Burn, which he has been referencing on this morning's podcast, is available for you now up on UBS.com slash CIO. For our clients of UBS, as always, please reach out to your UBS financial advisor if you would like to receive a copy of Jason's blog. Again, that title, Slow Burn. Though, Jason, thank you again for joining us. Appreciate it. You're welcome. UBS Chief Investment Office's investment views are prepared and published by the Global Wealth Management Business of UBS AG or its affiliate, UBS. This material has no regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any specific recipient and is published for informational purposes only. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients globally, UBS AG and its subsidiaries offer both investment advisory services and brokerage services. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. In the USA, UBS Financial Services, Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG and a member of FINRA SIPC. For information, please visit our website at UBS.com forward slash working with us. For a full legal disclaimer applicable to the independent investment views produced by UBS, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash CIO disclaimer.